Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. Uh, I am doing fine and I'm uh, happy to talk to you. I, I Well, the, the feelings are the same because you have always been blessed with this positive energy that has taught so many different generations to look beyond self and to find other things out there in the real world. And this and this new book is is no different. I mean, you just you just continue to grow. Thank you. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Uh, uh, I've had a joy uh, writing this book, even though some of my uh, my relatives have come up to me and said, gee, I always thought you were Puerto Rican. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am. I'm New Yorican, and uh, I just want to clarify that. <laughs> well, the name of the book is Coming Up Cuban, Rising Past Castro's Shadow. I find this really super interesting because my neighbor is from Cuba, and, and the thing is, is that he came up through those years as well, but he's always thinking positive what what is it within the soul of the cuban that that no matter what think positive uh, i i guess it's a it's a desire to live and it's a desire to succeed and it's a uh, 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 a desire of sobrevivir as they say in spanish there was uh, uh, one of my characters in the book is called comico because he's a comic and he tells a lot of jokes and uh, I put in, in my early versions, I put in a couple of knock-knock jokes yeah. in the book. But one of my, my Cuban consultants said, what is this knock-knock joke stuff? We don't do that kind of stuff in oh, Cuba. And I no. said, oh, well, what, what do you do? This woman turned me on to a Spanish-Cuban revolutionary joke book that you can get on Amazon and it told you all of these jokes that people have come up with uh, during and about the, the the Cuban Revolution, and it was just wonderful. And you realize it's sort of like uh, like uh, Jews make a lot of you know the Woody Allen and Henny Youngman and the genre of Jewish humor that comes out of being persecuted. Well, it's the same thing in a way that there's a lot of uh, Cuban sensibility and a uh, cultural a uh, sense of humor. Is there uh, is there a side of your heart that, that that just knows that so much has gone unspoken about this because there, there's so much culture in Cuba that that it's like the rest of the world doesn't know. But it's it's going to take books like yours, even though it is sharing a story. It's going to take books like yours to get that story out there. Yes, yes, and the thing is this, that nobody uh, kind of wants to uh, uh, understand or is, is, escapes many people, 
there are a thousand million stories. It's mm-hmm. not just one story of just just the Cuban people. I started uh, my impulse to write this book was I heard a little story, very little. An American citizen told me his parents had a chicken farm in Cuba in 1959, and uh, and when Castro took power. They had to leave. They had to leave the chicken farm. They had to leave their home. They had to leave the family dog. Mm-mm. I would know how sad. A few months later, the dog shows up in a boat in Miami, and the family's reunited with the dog. Oh, this is a true story. <laughs> I thought it was charming. I thought it was a story about, you know, persevering and families getting, you know, through the eyes of the dog. I could tell the story in a picture book. My editor said, look around and see if there's anything else. Well, as I read more about the revolution, in order to round out this picture book that I had in mind, I uh, read how uh, there were were rebels who were very idealistic, and then Castro turned on them Mm -hmm. right away. Mm -hmm. That there were children who had to leave on their own as part of the Operation Pedro Pan program because parents thought... And Castro was going to uh, indoctrinate them. And they had belief that the United States was going to come in and straighten everything out. Right. Well, once I knew that, I said, well, what happened to kids who stayed and didn't leave? Well, that was a whole bunch of other stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for, you know, guajiras, you know, uh, country people who were far away from what was going on and, you know, from the, from the center of the revolution, country people, and Afro-Cubanos, very interested in learning about uh, uh, Afro-Cuban people and what their situation in society was and how they fared uh, after. So so there's lots of stories, and I've taken Ana Miguel, Sulema, and Juan, just four of those uh, points of view. They're very different from each other. The yep. kids are one is white, one is black, one is rich, one is poor, one is very rich, one is just middle class. And, uh, you know, to show to, to be, open the doors to how many stories there are. And there's, it's all about Spanish speaking Caribbean people. I mean, I am interested in like Dominicans and Puerto Ricans and all of those people who speak Spanish from, from the Caribbean and the the tumultuous uh, upheavals yeah. that they've gone through. One of the things I've always Four been... Kids. I've I've always been fascinated with the music because I I want to know because because it is Latin America and and it, was it Caribbean was it uh, merengue was it bachata what I mean because I mean we all see that picture that image of what Cuba looks like Havana and everything like that but we don't really get to go inside the music and and music requires people and that's what I love about about your story is that the people that have left Cuba those that stayed what were the different styles of music that they that they experienced in their life. I know the music is such a major aspect of it, and I can, as a Puerto Rican, I can say this. Uh, there was an album that was released called Pacheco y su Charanga mm. in New York, and this took over the Bronx. I mean, you listen to Pacheco y su Charanga all the time. Years later, I grew up, and I see a record from Cuba that was exactly Pacheco y su Charanga, but it was the original versions. So I realized later that a lot of the Puerto Rican musicians would get charts of music from Cuba, and in the United States here, they turned it into salsa, 
they gave it that <laughs> New York brassy loudness that in Cuba was a lot of violins and, yeah. and uh, Caribbean softness. So that ca- kind of cultural explosion and exchange is fabulous. And that's, uh, you mentioned bachata and, and, uh, and merengue was like, you know, in my day, that was music from the DR. But, but, but all of the uh, musical uh, genres that begin from the islands and come here and uh, and then New Yorkers of the the descent of those people just turn it into the American way. It's just fascinating to me, and that I think has uh, to do with people's desire to to survive, or to live, and uh, and keep on going. How did your life change when you were writing about the the two characters that stayed in in Cuba in the in the way that you know it's because I mean you had to experience that as a writer somehow some way and through studies you did but to bring it to life the way that you have so that we feel the emotion. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I I did feel very close to my last two characters, Sulema and Huang, who are poor and who stayed, and I uh, uh, I remembered my mother telling me that in Puerto Rico uh, at a time, very poor people lived in places that had dirt floors, and they would pack down these floors and so tightly they, they would sweep them to make sure that they, that they looked nice. So, so I remembered that image, and then I remembered reading in Esmeralda Santiago's book when I was Puerto Rican, her describing a dirt floor in a countryside. Well, of course, I had to put that in Sulema's life because, you know, I read it and my mother told me about it. And there were certain um, uh, uh, Caribbean habits that all of the islands uh, participate in. And that was a, a way of, of uh, making her come to life. But, you know, every story has to be personal. She is, Sulema, the Guajira character, is hungry for knowledge and, and felt suffocated because you didn't have any options. And I certainly remember feeling that way in the South Bronx. Yeah. So that feeling is the same feeling that she has. So it doesn't matter that, you know, you're Puerto Rican or Cuban or Irish or whatever. Certain people feel hungry for knowledge and feel suffocated because they don't have the right options. This and is, that's what they're going to hook into. This is a book of conversation in in the way that people are going to even look at their their parents or their or their elders and say, "I think you need to read this because I mean it's just to kind of get everybody on the same page because it's going to create conversation." I I hope that people do converse because as you know, we are living in a time now where nobody can converse and it's mm-hmm. it's either black or white or it's it's uh and things, what you can converse about changes moment to moment, and nobody wants to hear anybody else's story. And, and that's unfortunate because I find stories, they're tools to help you see the world through lenses that are different than your own. And it's comforting. I, when I was um, uh, raised in a violent environment, I would read stories about young girls who had prevailed and it would be like wow if she could do that i could i could do this and i'm hoping that kids will read about anna who left with her mother and miguel who was put in an orphanage all by himself and uh, sulema who's you know has to deal with her father 
and understands him better, and Huang, who examines his friendship, that they could say, wow, they did that while they were dealing with Castro? Oh, I got sixth grade. I can handle this. <laughs> so true. I mean, because in, in reality, in your own way, through your written word, are you not putting an image inside the minds of a young adult reader in the way they're saying, this this is about me? We all, we all See, we all think of what, what Cubans should look like, but you have now given us texture of the skin, the color of the skin, and and, and I just feel that these, these readers are going to go, this is about my life. It, it, it Everybody was different. Different there, I I, I hope so because we do have an idea of what a Cuban looks like, and it's kind of one idea, and mm-hmm. it's not the case. And I was very very careful, and the artist, uh, uh, the cover who made the cover was very careful to make sure that there were different, that there was an indigenous vibe to Sulema, and that there was an African vibe to Huang and. And Miguel is blonde and uh, very fair, and I I, I really uh, took a great effort to to do that, and I do that. I'm also uh, uh, working on an animated. I created an animated children's show called Alma's Way for PBS, and they are uh, uh, Afro Puerto Ricans mm-hmm. because the idea that there's uh, Latin people of that are who are black, I think we forget that a little bit, and uh, I want to bring that to life, but um, uh, I, I do hope that people, as you said, read the book and say, oh, that's my story, no matter yeah. who they are. Yeah, I really want my grandson to be uh, to really get into Juan, and the reason why is because my grandson is Cuban, and guess what? He's blonde. And and so and a lot of people have held that against him as he's grown up. They, You're the blonde Cuban. No, no, he's my baby. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> Uh, I know Oscar Ijuelos wrote a book called Dark Dude about that very topic. You should get that, and it's uh, about a blonde Puerto Rican, uh, a blonde Cuban, uh, and uh, you know what he goes through for yes. being uh, criticized for being blonde. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's so true and it's so real. Because and, and and you know, even though I don't understand the full culture of it all, what this did was it opened up the door, saying my my grandson is not the only one. Oh no, no, of course not. So as you grow your stories forward, and you you did mention that you, you're going to be sharing more, where where do you plant the ideas? Do you start turning these in, into, because with your television background, this has got to go to moving pictures somehow, some way. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, this particular book, a lot of the characters came out of the, uh, the research that I did. Miguel, who's a uh, blonde kid, mm-hmm. uh, who came through the Pedro Pan program, I, I just reading about where these kids ended up. And these one particular kids ended up in an orphanage in Staten Island because the Miami facilities were overwhelmed with all of the children who came, so they had to put them somewhere else. They put them in this Catholic-run orphanage in Staten Island. Wow. And I read a lot of little anecdotes about the kids who had never, the Cuban kids, who were more who were upscale and had never been around uh, black children, had never been around Puerto Rican children, but the kids that they came to meet were uh, rougher children, street children, mm-hmm. and so they had to, and they kept them separately separate for a while uh, because they they thought everything was going to be temporary. And my character, Miguel, says, wait a minute, we're, we're in this together. And he reaches out 
to the other to the other boys, and he gets to know them. And uh, you know, I had a fun time uh, uh, creating characters, Puerto Rican characters that I was familiar with, tough kids from the Bronx that might have ended up in these orphanages, uh, and how they reflected uh, on on. Uh, on, on, on Miguel, and of course they become friends because uh, uh, Miguel learns English from them. He says, it's, uh, how can, you know, he said, I don't know, I speak to these Puerto Ricans and there's all this Spanglish and everything, and all of a sudden I don't know what I'm speaking. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the oh character God. says that, and uh, I thought that was a nice opportunity to bring that in. <laughs> oh, my God. My, my son-in-law says, I can speak it, I just don't know how to write it. And, and I can so relate with that when it comes to Spanglish and stuff like that. I mean, you're speaking it, now write it. Uh, I don't know how. Uh, I know, I know. Or you understand it, but you can't respond. I've been in, done, doing a lot of, uh, I had to do a Telemundo interview yesterday, and I have to really, you know, practice what I'm going to say. I know exactly what she's asking me, but I, it's hard to find the words. Language is really, really funny because it changes so much. And also, if you're at, you're going to be fluent in whatever language you went to school. Yep. And, I mean, and I was learning in English, so Spanish. Uh, and it wasn't like we had great uh, intellectual, uh, free-flowing conversations in my household when I was a kid. It was more like, uh, pass the potatoes, <laughs> where's the garbage can, <laughs> turn the TV off. <laughs> uh, so... So I really had to. But, you know, you'll find that you'll have phrases and words way in the back of you, the crevices of your mind, and uh, they come out when you least expect them. So true. You've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you very much. It's very nice to hear. Will you be brilliant today, okay? Thank you. Thank you very much, and I hope everybody loves coming up Cuban.